0: Nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I will be your host for today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. I am the co-founder of Financing Solutions. And for those of you who don't know us, we are the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. If you're interested in getting a nonprofit line of credit, it's extremely popular. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's obvious why. There's always ups and downs in cash flow. And there's bills that have to get paid, like payroll. And most nonprofits can't get a line of credit. Uh, now they can. So please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Sabrina Hernandez from Supporting World Hope. And today, our uh, topic is going to be creating great nonprofit board engagement. Uh, and Sabrina Walker Hernandez. Has over 25 years of experience in nonprofit management, fundraising, and leadership. She grew her operations revenue from $750,000 to $2.5 million and completed a $12 million capital campaign. She is certified in nonprofit management by the Harvard Business School and is also a best selling author. Sabrina, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Stephen. I'm very excited to talk about this topic with you.
0: Well, the good thing is that uh, you know, for the last year and a half, I'm on the board of two nonprofits uh, now, and so you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm always learning from my guests. That things that help me too. So we're all in the same boat. Our listeners and I are all learning from from really great uh, guests that come on the nonprofit. And I think this is over the. uh, I've done over 200 podcasts now, and I tell anybody who's running a Nonprofit. Uh, if you're under five million dollars in revenue, or even maybe under ten, uh, if you listen to these podcasts, these guests are really, really good, and it really uh, helps you with not only answers but really good ideas. So, Sabrina, tell tell me a little bit about, in a nutshell, what mm-hmm. really makes great nonprofit uh, board engagement.
1: What makes great nonprofit board engagement is really going to be around relationships. You know, everything is relationships. Do you have a relationship? with your board of directors. that For me, that means, are you spending time with board members outside of the board meeting? Are you developing that trust, um, the open communication, uh, mutual respect, all those things that are needed um, to have a good board engaged, a good um, engaged board of directors? Because you can't develop that if you're just, in the boardroom once a month, if your meetings are once a month or once a quarter, you really do have to make an effort to get to uh, know your board members.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, would you say to like, I know one of the hardest things for a small nonprofit is actually to get board members. And so a lot of times you're just happy that someone says yes, you know, and, and then once you get it, yes, you're like, okay, well that's done. Now I can move on to something else. But If you're going to develop a relationship, wouldn't it also be a good idea to get people on the board that you already kind of have a relationship with or or not?
1: I I would say this. Um, I think when you are trying to recruit for your board of directors, one thing I'm going to say to my nonprofits out there, do not buy into that concept of, you know, I'm just happy to get someone on my board, that warm body concept, right? I don't buy into that. What I buy into is just really being able to articulate your mission, being patient and waiting for the right people to come along and being strategic about it and knowing what your board gaps are. So when I say knowing what your board gaps are, that is uh, knowing what you need to get you to whatever your strategic goal is. So, for example, when we were doing our capital campaign, we looked at our board. Um, I looked at the board and said, you know, we have no one that um, has construction experience or engineering experience or any of those. And so I knew that was a gap. And then based on that gap in that industry, I strategically recruited from within that industry. Um, to fill that gap because I knew it was something that I needed in order to hit the next goal. And so I always say, be very strategic about who you bring on your board. Know what your gaps are. That's one, knowing what the gaps are. And then being intentional and focused about getting someone and recruiting within that pool of people that can fill that gap. And not accept that warm body principle. Like, I'm just happy to have a board member. (laughs) I don't, you know, you want to be more strategic than that. And I know people get very nervous about, you know, I don't have, I don't have a board member. I have this vacancy. There's nothing that says that you have to fill a vacancy really fast. It's almost like the principle when you're hiring someone, they say, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Um, And that prevents a lot of issues. So make sure you are strategic make sure you have a recruitment process in place where you are talking to people interviewing them seeing if the passions align they know there's an expectation of fundraising i don't believe in not talking about fundraising during the recruitment process i've had too many people um say "Well, we don't talk about fundraising during recruitment because we don't want to scare them away and i say to them You are setting yourself up to be frustrated and you're setting them up for failure because if you're not telling them that fundraising is a part of it and then they get on the board and then you start talking about fundraising and you just blindsided them and you put yourself in a situation where you're going to be frustrated because you're basically going to say, And I've heard it too many times. Well, my board doesn't help. They don't help with fundraising. They don't do this. Well, you refuse to talk to them about it and let them know what the expectation was at the very beginning. And when I talk about fundraising, I talk about fundraising in a way that to me, 60 percent of fundraising. Is building relationships. Everything for me goes back to building relationships. So 60% of fundraising is building relationships. 15% of fundraising is maintaining those relationships. And I think when people are afraid to talk about fundraising, they're talking about that 5% that's asking for money. And that's not even the biggest part of fundraising. Um, so have that conversation with people before they even Get on the board and make sure you have a recruitment process in place. You don't have to just take a warm body. And that scarcity mindset that we have in the nonprofit industry, it's not only with uh, money, uh, it's also with people. And we don't have to have that mindset. It's not a scarcity. There's enough to go around. There's enough quality people like yourself, Stephen. you just said you serve on two boards. I serve on two boards. There are enough quality people out there who want to give back, who want to be good at what they do as board members, and you just need to be strategic and identify those people, and that may take some time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So this this one board I I uh, joined a year and a half ago, small company, a small nonprofit, a very small and uh, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I'm a little, I'm a little. Pe- um angry <laughs> I don't want to use the uh the, the p word um because i we you know we we started our first fundraising right, and I raised eighty percent of the money mm-hmm. and the people on the board they didn't raise anything mm-hmm. i'm like so you know i i you know I have to have a conversation with the uh with the executive director to say what are these people doing on the board if you're if they're not going to be fundraising you know if you want to get expertise you can just ask somebody a question that you know you don't need to have someone on the board just because you want to fill a seat so we're going to have to have a, a a conversation and so this is the busiest time for them october so as soon as this october's over with it slows down uh for the the organization uh it has to do with halloween and so, uh, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with the executive director and say, "Hey, listen, you got to either we got to teach these people how to fundraise, or you know, or we got to we got to clean house uh, and say, listen, you know, maybe this isn't the right role for, for, for you, and find people who can go because they this uh, nonprofit had never raised money before, mm. so this is all new, and you know, this is um, we are now moving in the direction. Of raising funds instead of getting gifts of uh, uh, getting uh, uh, costumes donated, which is you know really what this nonprofit they, what they do is they they uh, they collect uh, they they get costumes to kids who can't afford, uh, them. afford them. Yeah, right? that's so, an awesome mission. Yeah, it's great, it's great. And so we're um, you know anyway, so uh,
1: so. I think- And and Stephen, speaking to what you were saying too about that board member who's doing most of the fundraising, I think that a lot of times that when we do get boards, we don't educate them on the fundraising process. And what does that mean? And how do you leverage? You know, board members are supposed to bring their credibility to the boardroom. Um, They have the relationships within the community if you pick them right. You know, they should have those relationships in the community and they should be leveraging those relationships in the community to help with the fundraising part. And that's where the relationships come in. And oftentimes we don't train our board members on the fundraising piece and what that means. And not only do we not train them on the fundraising piece, we don't require that they themselves invest in the organization. So it starts with the board members. Like, are you investing in the organization? One. And I tell board members this, this is the one thing I say. We all give, we are, we're all givers. So look at, are you giving to the organization of the board that you sit on? And if that organization is not within the top three, uh, that top three realm of giving, then why are you sitting on that board? You have to. I agree. I, I,
0: I know I have to have a conversation with the, the uh, executive director and say, I, you know, I'm going to have to have it and say, okay, people who, the people who are on the board right now, how much do they give? Right. Okay. And then we're gonna have to have a conversation and th- there's going to have to be some turnover, but yeah. uh, for, for it. And, and I, I know she knows it as well. But, uh you know it's interesting because the other organization I belong to that I'm a board a, on the board is is there's a minimum you have to you have to give you know twenty thousand dollars yes. to yes. uh, to be sitting on the board yes you know so um you know so that's that's a different story you have to give twenty thousand or you have to raise twenty thousand
1: yes right and, and so that's the way it should be you should know what your expectations are going into that boardroom. And you shouldn't shy away from that conversation. Look, tell me what my expectations are up front and let me perform to that if I'm the right board member. And if I'm not the right board member, there should be an evaluation process in place. I'm a true, you know, measure what you expect. And if you're not a fit, then you're not a fit, but don't shy away from that conversation. You know, I talked to a lot of CEOs because I was a CEO in my organization. Um, but I talked to a lot of um, nonprofit executive directors, and they don't have that conversation with their board members because they don't want to seem bossy and they don't want to ruin relationships. And I'm like, it's not bossy to set expectations. It is it, yeah. not. It's actually helpful. I mean, you're a board member. I'm a board member. We've said it repeatedly. Tell me what I'm responsible for, and I will do what I need to do.
0: Yeah, you know, the the thing that I've seen on boards, this isn't the first one I've been involved with, but uh, it's unor- – the thing that gets them the most angry people who go is uh, not being organized. The meetings yes. are not organized. People want to know what they're responsible for. They want to know what the agenda is going to be like. They want to have engaged uh, – you know, it's – Listen, I've sat enough, I've sat enough on these podcasts with, you know, getting boarding boards engaged to know that it's, it's a little bit common sense. It right? is. It really is. It's just a matter of sitting down and doing it and saying, okay, listen, these are the, I have to, we have to turn the tables a little bit here and the tide and, you know, I have to do a bit, you know, I'm speaking as the executive director. Mm-hmm. I have to do a better job with the board meetings. I have to get them more engaging. I have to make sure people know what they're responsible for. I have to recruit and have build relationships with uh, key people on the board or the board, mm-hmm. right? It's not rocket science.
1: It's not rocket science. And it's a little, I agree with you that it's a little frustrating. And there's some basics, some assumptions that I make that I probably gets us in trouble. One of the assumptions is this. And it's a really basic. Have a calendar. If you want good board members, they're going to be busy. They're going to be serving on multiple boards and or they, you know, they're going to be serving um high capacity in their jobs, whatever it is. So have a calendar where your meetings are consistent my meeting my board meeting is the third wednesday of every month at six o'clock so they can put it on their calendar it's no surprises right because that's what busy people need and that's that's the kind of quality you want on your board so have a consistent calendar in place um and then beyond that as far as engagement is once you have your calendar established and people know what they're going to do Talk to them about what is the expectation. Um, have an agreement in place, right, where board members know what they are responsible for. So, having a good orientation when someone comes on a board so they can know what they're responsible for. And then having a system in place um, where, you know, the board meeting is the thing. We all know the board meetings, the third Wednesday of every month at six o'clock. But have a system in place where you call or email and remind people and get them the board packet 72 hours in advance so they have time to look at it. And not only that, is not doing the agenda yourself. I'm going to repeat that. As the executive, you shouldn't be doing the agenda all by yourself. That's where your You can put systems in place where I'm a systems girl, as you can tell, um, where that's either you and your board chair coming together to do the agenda. Or in my case, it was myself, my um, executive um, uh, executive committee of my board. We would get together and I would bring in a draft agenda. We met for breakfast. I would bring in a draft agenda. We would review it. They would add what they needed to add. It had, okay, we're going to be talking about this. Who's going to talk about this? It wasn't going to be me as the CEO because it's a board meeting. It's not a CEO meeting. And if you want engagement, then you can't have people come to a meeting and just listen to you talk
0: Yeah. and regurgitate
1: yeah. information back. You need to have an active role in the meeting.
0: What do you think the, uh, when you do any type of lecture or you go to talk about this subject matter about board engagement, we spend a lot of time at fundraising, but board engagement is a multitude of things, right? Yes. Uh, what is the number one question, uh, that people ask you when you cover the topic of board engagement? Is it fundraising?
1: It is fundraising. How do I get my board involved in fundraising? They don't do anything. And I say, okay, we need to reframe again. I'm gonna go back to reframing what we think of when we think of fundraising, right? Um, And I was a busy CEO, so I adopted this formula. So um, 10% of fundraising is um, identifying, and that is identifying potential donors um, and then another 10% of fundraising is qualifying. So that means, okay, so yes, I've identified Steven as a potential donor, but does my mission resonate with Steven? Now, does Steven have the capacity to give? And so that's, that's 20% of fundraising. And then 60% of fundraising is building relationships, um, how do you build those relationships? It's face-to-face meetings. It's getting people in for tours if you happen to be facility-based. With your particular organization, it's getting them in when the kids come and pick up their costume, you know, get those feel-good moments, um, seeing that child smile because they thought they weren't going to have, you know. Um, it's picking up the phone and calling them. It's all of those things. And then, of fundraising is asking for money. And then 15% of fundraising is saying thank you. And so I say to my executives out there, don't judge, it's hard not to do, but don't judge every board member by their ability to ask for money. Some board members are going to be door openers. That means they're in that realm of that 10% of identifying and qualifying. I had a board member, her name was Millie. And when we interviewed her for the board, she said, I will not ask for money. I do not feel comfortable asking for money. And if I didn't have this model in my head, I would have been like, well, Millie, you're not for our board because we need our board members to ask for money. But I did adopt this model. So I asked, what are you willing to do? And she clearly said, I'm willing to introduce you to anyone in my circle. So she became the door opener and she introduced us to the bank owner. She worked at the bank, she was in BSA, which is the fraud, and she introduced us to the bank owner. So from being introduced to the bank owner, we were able to um, develop that relationship. And not only did she introduce us, she fostered that relationship, she gave them updates, on the organization she fed him information um, and we were able to raise millions of dollars through this partnership and she never asked for a dime right so some board members are gonna be door openers I got to fly on a private plane because of this bank owner and this relationship I, and go up to the maybe foundation and we got a, we walked away with a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar check I credit that to Millie although she never asked for a dollar right And then you have those who are going to be cultivators, and those are the people who are going to really get in there and build those relationships. Those are the board members who are going to invite um, potential donors in to um, do a tour, invite them in when the kids pick up their costumes so they can see, feel, and touch the mission, right? Right. That's the, who those people are. And then you have the very few who are going to be askers like yourself and myself. We've been in this too, too long. We understand that um, if someone says no, that is OK. They're not saying no to Sabrina or Steven. You know, personally, they're saying no, not right now or no, not at this time or no, this project doesn't resonate with me. We are okay with the no. We're okay with the rejection. I had, out of a board of 21, I had three women who were okay with asking. And I was okay with that, right? Because I understood for me, it was the 60% in the cultivation. So you're gonna have a few, and I call them my side my sidekicks, right? And then the other 15% is thankers. And you just got some board members that's gonna be very good at thanking. But I will tell you, sitting on the two boards that I sit on as well. So one of them is a startup organization that started during the pandemic, um, and a lot of these people, uh, seven of us, and there was the first time serving on the board. So when we did our first uh, event, I found myself being a little frustrated, like you were, like, "Hey, I'm the one raising all this money and asking people, what are you doing?" And I had to step back myself, and I had to say, "Okay." everybody's gift is not the ask. So what is their gift and their strength and how can I lean into their strength? So the I said, okay. So I had one um, that she custom baked cookies, but she custom bakes them, can make anybody logo and make it into a cookie. So I said, okay, she's gonna be my thanker. So she made a batch of cookies for all us, the sponsors that I had gotten. Um, she made everybody's logo and our logo, and we hand delivered those out. And everybody was happy and pleased, and all of that. The next year, when we did the fundraiser, she felt more comfortable and she bought in some sponsors. So everybody is not playing on the same playing level, right? And some people's strengths are just not going to be in making that ask. But Every single one of those people on that board gave a personal gift. Every single one of them. So they understand that they have to be committed to the organization and give their personal gift. And they also understand that they have to, in some capacity be involved in fundraising and it is not always about making the ask.
0: I'm I'm really impressed when you when you made the turn. I don't think I would have done that unless I heard you say it just now that someone said, you know, someone didn't want to ask. I think right then and there I would have said, well maybe this isn't a good match for for us. Uh, but to turn it around the way you did, you know, I found I'm surprised when you say 10 percent is a fundraising is the list of who you're going to ask. I mean, I honestly, and fundraising is relatively new to me. Uh, I found the hardest part was the ninety percent of it for me. Stephen, was making... I don't
1: know if you know, but I can't hear you.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Did it just shut off? What happened here? I hate to kind of splice it. Um, let's, I'll stop it. I'll come back in. So we just had a little bit of a technical glitch and now we're, we're back live again. So with Sabrina and um, I, I, what I was commenting on was, uh, was I, I, you said 10% of fundraising is, is making a list the people to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when, so I, I recently, I always thought I could be great at fundraising, and then within the last uh, year and a half or two, yeah, year and a half, I've had to really test that, mm-hmm. and I was good at it. And uh, I found, to me personally, ninety percent of fundraising was uh, making the list. You know, I, you know, I just going through my contacts, seeing who I le- knew, and I raised money for two different organizations. Mm-hmm. The one was a big ask. So I went to people that could afford it, right? And then the other one was a smaller ask, so that was a larger list. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I found once I made that list of people, it was easy for me to go and ask them to for the donations, and right, because um, you
1: had that relationship with them already.
0: And I was also asking a personal ask, you know. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's I guess fundraising might be always a personal thing, but it was something um, that I was it's extremely near and dear to my heart. So mm-hmm. and they you know, and they, and they, uh, uh it, the both causes, I don't know. Every causes is, is, is a great cause. Did, right? it is right. But I can be persuasive that way. But, um, so, I mean, this is a passion. Like if somebody said no to me, you know, I, I mean, honest with you, I'm a little pissed.
1: <laughs> I, I get it. I get it yeah. because, um, You they know who you are. You've, if you're lending your credibility to this organization and you you are asking, then your expectation is that they're going to say yes. And that is what makes a good uh, board member and a good fundraiser because you don't have that fear. A lot of people have that fear. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? The worst they're going to say is no. Right, and but I get
0: you- it. I I had that fear uh, initially, but mine mine I wasn't asking personally. I went. I mean, I I just did emails. You know, mm-hmm. it was easy enough, and it was a compelling letter. So, um. But I I and going back to what you're saying too uh, is like one person was a good friend. He really gave a small amount of money, and I was a little. And it was, you know, like so. What happened when my wife passed away a year mm-hmm. ago? and unexpectedly and she was born on Halloween and Halloween was this huge month for her huge so you know this organization means a lot to me and to honor her right to honor her and uh and it's a great cause anyway mm-hmm. regardless and and so one of our closest friends who knew her really well gave a very small amount of money and he can afford more than what he gave mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would never say anything to him but I'm like mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You know, so uh, well,
1: he's the person that you make sure that he gets a lot of pictures of the kids and <laughs> happiness and all yes. of that. And you go back next year. Uh, I don't pretty,
0: know. You know, I don't know. He's cheap. He's <laughs> cheap. You know, honestly. You also
1: got to know your donors. And he is. He's he cheap. Is.
0: And he thinks the money gay was a big deal. And it's like, I'm like, oh, man, you got, listen, I'm not, listen, I've got plenty of the people to ask to make right. my effort. He made the effort and that's fine. And right. I'm not, I'm not somebody who holds grudges at all, ever. And right. stuff like that, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm amazed, you know, like most, listen, most people don't give a lot of money and for nonprofits. They, they just, it's not part of their, some people it's part of their life that they do it all the time and others it's relatively new. It's
1: relatively new and we have to, um, accept that and embrace that. And we have to not only educate board members, we also have to educate donors as to why, you know, I, my, I've been a nonprofit pretty much all of my life, but my husband is not a giver. He is not. And, um, I have to hope he gives to his wife. Well, it's a struggle. He is <laughs> not a giver. Um, and so I'm continually educating him on how nonprofits work because a lot of people assume that oh, you, you get government grants or you get you know this or that, and I'm like, or the, you get a lot of money because um, this person supports you or this person supports you, and that's not the case. And so, oftentimes, we need to educate donors as well as board members, um, on how the money is raised and how it's, um, you know, secured and what revenues and expenses are, uh, because it's, uh, we depend on individuals. We depend on grants. It's a multi approach to this. Um, and so we need the generosity of everyone, um, in order to make the mission, uh, come alive. And when you're talking about, especially with your mission, you know, I was talking to my sister. This is really funny. I was talking to my sister just yesterday and Halloween happens to be one of the, uh, holidays. I call it a holiday that we go all out for. Um, and she's like, no, I don't do that. Um, I remember growing up and having that plastic mask and being, (sighs) Uh, and it's just not a fun time for me. Wow. And I had a totally, I I said, like, yeah, I remember that too. But I guess I took something else out of it. And she's like, I don't turn on my porch light. I don't give out candy. I just remember that hot, sweating. Of- <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, everybody has different memories associated. Yeah. I don't want another kid to have that experience where they totally opt out of of celebrating because you know they didn't ha- they had the costume that made them sweat and we had the same costume for like 3 or 4 years in a row yep, <laughs> so yep. she does not get down with it at all and and if you are from a family where economics you, you, you eco, economics are hard um you don't you have to, you you have to make a choice about do I buy this costume for my kid or do I pay the light bill or do I Yeah,
0: I mean, keep in mind that, uh, and I'll get more, but a large majority of the costumes goes to kids who have no parents. Mm. So it's foster kids. It's, it's, foster it's, kids. It's, it's kids who don't even have foster kids. Right. Uh, parents. Right. So, uh, you know, that's a completely different story. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm learning more. I, I, I came on this board I'm really good at growing things so um, you know we're trying to make this organization uh, much much bigger in uh, and, so.
1: and what I would say to you um, you've been bought on this board and actually I would say I don't know by uh, if it was I seek accident, them out
0: I actually seek them out
1: you sought them out now yeah because I was gonna directly. I was
0: gonna start my own
1: uh-huh. and then
0: I thought, no, it's got to be done already. Right, And then, you know, what's kind of cool is that they're out of New Orleans. Mm. And so, yeah. of course, it's like costumes are in right. New Orleans yeah, is huge, right? So yeah. the culture down there. And so what's funny is that I just uh, Wednesday night went to a huge fundraising of gala. It was the first time I ever went to one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I went there and this was uh, for the, the really much bigger organization, like a $10 million organization. So very established. And, um, and it was, you know, it was a revelation. I'm like, wow. And they raised, you know, they they raised like something like $200,000 or more. Um, And I was like, now I'm going to take that. And bring it over to the other one and that, you know, raise money that way. And so, I mean, I think this is where my talent lies and, uh, you know, being able to help, you know, this organization raise money. So
1: yeah. And um, if the executive director is smart, and this is what I'm going to say for all those executive directors out there, once you get a person like yourself, that can be a catalyst for change, then use, I'm going to say it very clearly use people like Steven to be your voice on your board, because that's coming from a peer. It's peer-to-peer communication, and you're going to be the catalyst for change. Just like you said, I'm going to sit down and talk to the executive director and say, this is what we need to do. And maybe you're going to lose some board members, and maybe you want. Some people are going to step up, and some people are going to step out. Yeah, we already had...
0: And we had that conversation too a couple of months ago, which is interesting on a different level because we had Mm -hmm. people not showing up for the board meetings. And and I I came out and I said, maybe these aren't the right people. And she says, I think you're right. Now, yes, does she have to be better at having an agenda at a specific time, the same time. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, it's, you know, it's a new nonprofit. It's not, they're not new. They're just inexperienced. Right. I I get it. I'm the, I am too. I'm just making, I did, because of these podcasts, I I learned so much more about how to run good board meetings, about how to raise money. And I just apply what you people tell me. Yeah.
1: And one of the things I'm going to say for your next board meeting um, and I did my board meetings like this uh, and it changes that d- dynamic is to have a mission moment, which means to start your meeting off in your case with the if it's possible to have either a social worker or a child come in and yep. say, this is what it meant to, ha- to have this happen.
0: Yeah, because
1: I... that's going to be a story that the other either the other board members are going to feel that. Or they're not.
0: Yeah, it's funny you should say that because as you were talking, of course, I'm always listening to you. Uh, but as you're talking, I after Halloween, I, I'm going to be sending out thank you emails to each of the persons who gave money. And in that, I thought uh, I would, I would actually do, I would record a podcast with my executive director of the. Uh, uh, it's called Ween Dream mm-hmm. uh, with Ween Dream and uh and uh, about telling you know 5 minutes or less tell us where the money went tell us how it helped somebody tell us a good story about uh a kid who got a costume and what what happened with it so that I'll send that out with a thank you email and I'll say here, here's an example of where you, your money went to. Yes, you know, and uh, you know, of course, I'm thinking the following year, maybe the person will up it up. But also, these are all people who knew my wife and me, you know, very, very, very well, and they're all concerned. Right? They're all concerned. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it's stories. You know, listen again. I've, I I hear this all the time in nonprofits. Uh, you know, on the podcast uh, Stories, it's storytelling is critical, right? It's
1: critical. Yeah, it's very critical. And if you can start your board meetings off with that storytelling moment of real impact, and if it could come from the client, even better, or someone, like I said, because you're dealing with kids in foster care, maybe the social worker who firsthand witnessed it. Yes, yes. Um, it would be, it would change the dynamics of you will remind people why they're on this board, what is it really about, and refocus them. And if they can't buy into that, and then come out of pocket um, to invest in that vision, um, and then, you know, be a part of the fundraising process, wherever, wherever they are, then they're not the right person for the board. And sometimes you just have to say, thank you, And plaque them off. You, I I always say, plaque them off with dignity. You know, and plaque them off means you give them a little plaque that says "Thank you for your service," and now it's time for us to depart. You celebrate their departure because they did serve their time. Um, You make them feel good because you don't. You hopefully will gain them as a donor, perhaps, (laughs) um, and 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 move on. And then you take your time to feel the empty slots that are on the board. You don't yeah. have to rush to fill the slots. What do you
0: think about the idea? I was thinking of this. I, I don't think I'm the right person. Just use me as an example. This is mm-hmm. not the Steve Holasnik show. But uh, you know, but I, I don't live in New Orleans. So okay. I'm the only person who's on the board who's not in New Orleans. I'm far. from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I'm, I would be a good executive director. I'm sorry, a good uh, uh Board chairman, right? Uh, From a talent standpoint, yes. But I think they need somebody there. So, so this kind of comes into play is we all know executive directors are running around with their heads cut off. They're doing everything, right? So now to say to them, oh, now you, we want you to take the board meeting and make it great, and fundraising and 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 recruiting and all this, and I think it's unrealistic. Uh, You know. What if you? What do you think about the idea, Sabrina? Of you know, telling getting your uh, telling your uh, dr- board uh, chairman, I need you to take this on as a project and make these board meetings good. Yeah, and you know,
1: yes, because look, if, at, in the re- in the world, the CEO is the gatekeeper for the staff. And the board chair is the gatekeeper for the board. And so, really and truly, it is the board's chair responsibility to motivate the board members, um, to make sure you have a good quality board, to hold them accountable um, to board giving, to set those policies in place about a board give or get. So, if you have a great chair, it makes a difference. What in the real world, though, because people, because people are busy to get a good board chair is, is, um, a challenge. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It is a challenge. And so whether the, and yes, executive directors are running around with their, um, head cut off, but they have to reprioritize where they want to focus their energy. And I say to them, focus your energy on your board or your board chair, because if you Create the great board that you need and and value, then the fundraising will become easier. And so a lot of times executive directors get into they've become exec, especially founders. They become executive directors by default, right? They founded this organization. That doesn't necessarily mean that they too understand the business of nonprofit. And so I always say that nonprofit is a business. Uh, The nonprofit is just a tax designation. So you have to be about the business of running your business. And sometimes as founders, we want to do the programs. We want to be the direct, deliver the service. We want to do all those things because that's what we feel comfortable at. Yeah, Yeah. But in order to, Really take the program delivery to the next level. You need to focus your energy on building the right board.
0: Yeah. Well, keep in mind this: this those are all tools. Uh, if for those, uh, you know, I've built a number of companies. <clears throat> the number one thing a company does every single day is is is, is makes money. Mm-hmm. So, if you're talking about running a nonprofit like a business, it's all about fundraising. Yes, it really is. It is. You know, so if you, you know, if you're thinking about, well, it's the delivery of the services and it's, it's, it's the other things it's really as, as the leader or the organization, you can delegate those things, Yes, but that the key is that you gotta be bringing money in to, to rather be through grants, rather be through donations, through whatever it is, um. That's the number one that's, priority. That's the
1: role that you've accepted. And yep. the role that you accept is you are the fundraising. Um, and how do you fundraise it is you use the power of your board. And you need to be strategic, again, in who you bring on your board and then really develop relationships with your board members and um, not only develop those relationships with the board members, but educate the board members so they can leverage and bring funds to your organization. We only have a certain amount of hours in the day. And that's why I came up with that formula. Where do I need to spend my time to make fundraising viable for this organization and for my board? And it's in relationships. You cannot run your nonprofit from your desk. You You have to be out there. You have to be networking. You have to go to chamber events. You have to go to rotary events. And why are you doing that? You're doing that because- you're, you're the face of the organization. Um, you're an ambassador and an advocate for the organization. And you're looking, you're always looking for good board members and good potential donors. And so in order to do that, you have to get out. You cannot run your nonprofit from your desk. So
0: Yeah, let's do a, a summary and then maybe you could add to it. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left. We have and there's are not any order preference here of, of best or worst, or of they just, uh, and Sabrina helped me come up with that list. But one we, we hear is when you're looking at board members, there's got to be a fundraising component about what they're going to do, regardless if they're going to ask themselves or hook you up with people that maybe they know. So you can ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two is uh, engaging board meetings, uh, agendas, consistency, uh, uh, creativity, talking about stories of, you know, what the mission is and, and give real life examples about good things that you have done in every meeting. So people walk away feeling like they've really made a difference. Um, I'm hearing from you, uh, you know, the executive director has he, uh, her or his role, but the board of director also has their role. And, uh, you know, the, you don't need to do everything yourself. If you're the executive director, you know, if you have a board chairman, you know, they come to an agreement with them about the role that they're going to do to make the boards engaging. Again, the podcast is about engaging board meetings, right? Which Mm -hmm. is, um, uh, I I like what you said about lists, you know, making a list. I mean, it's it's so obvious making, making a list, making a list of good potential people for the board, making a good list for fundraising, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, encouraging your board members to, To make their own lists. Yes. And to, you know, say this is the month where we're all going to come up with a list, you know, of people who can afford to donate to us. Yes. Right. Um, And I
1: will say this because I don't want it. I want because what's going to happen, you say make a list and then people are going to go, well, I don't know anybody. So I have this uh, really... Cool thing. You know, just name two people that you go to church with. Name two people that you know in law enforcement. Name two people that you know that are elected officials. Name two and you know, name two people you do business with. Yeah. And you just go like that and it's a brain dump. I love You're not that. qualifying anybody yeah. at that point. And then you go back and you qualify them.
0: Yeah, and it's there, it's funny because when you say that, you sit there and you say, Name two people that you do like I, you know, I could name 40 uh mm-hmm. that you do but it's it's it really jogs your mind, you yes. know, a little bit. You're like, oh yeah. Um, let's see, what else did you say today, or what else would you add to great board engagement?
1: Well, I'm gonna go back to make sure you're building a relationship with your board yes. members outside was the first thing said. of yep. the boardroom. So especially with your board chair, have a standing monthly meeting with your board chair, and don't get, share the good, the bad, and the ugly. You do not have to retain that for yourself. There are some um, executive directors like, oh no, everything is good. Everything is perfect. Everything is fine. And then you have the other extreme where they say, oh, woe is us. You know, if we don't fundraise this, then our doors are going to close and da, da, da. so you have to find that happy medium. There's always balance, but you need to share the information with your board chair, they need to feel like they um they're owners of this process as well as the CEO or the founder.
0: Yeah, I, I like what you said. Let's leave it at that. We started the show at that. Let's end the show at that. You know, like it really is true. Business, it's about relationships. We technology has taken us all away from that, but really at the end of the day, relationships are, and you know what it's, it makes it funner too, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does.
0: Yeah, good. Well, listen, that's all the kind of time we have for today. Uh, It was a a really great podcast. I really enjoyed doing it. As you guys know, I don't talk this much on them, and that's what I did. I'd like to thank so very much Sabrina Hernandez from Supporting World Hope for for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app for the Nonprofit NBA Podcast. If you like today's podcast, please also give us a review on your favorite podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. Those reviews help in the rankings. Uh, The Nonprofit MBA Podcast is listened to by about 10,000 people. It's really quite amazing. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com dot com sabrina if anybody wants to get a hold of you how would they go about doing that
1: the best way to get a hold of me is visit my website at www.supportingworldhope.com
0: great and um i always end every episode this way and i will continue to do this forever i want to thank all of the listeners out there for doing what you do to make this world a better place i know both both sabrina and i are trying our best but you guys are out there on the front lines. You're really doing it. You're really making a difference in this world. What a great way to do it too, uh, to help your cause and the things that you're passionate about. So I wanna thank you for that. I just wanna remind you uh, that your cause isn't is um, isn't as big, a, it's, it's, you're a bigger deal than your cause, so you have to take good care of yourself. Um, and uh, y- you can only be good for your cause if you're healthy, if you're fit, if you're doing well. So make sure you take a step back every once in a while. Congratulate yourself, take care of yourself, and then get back at it. So everybody, have a fantastic day, and it was a great nonprofit MBA podcast.